Do you want to set your child up for success? Is tutoring out of your budget, or perhaps you're someone like me who just wants to save money on private tutoring? Is this a big school year for your child? You know, maybe they're starting kindergarten or middle school. Maybe there's another milestone coming up. Or maybe your family moved. Oh my gosh, I moved so much when I was growing up. And the kids are starting a new school. Or maybe your child is ahead and just not getting challenged enough in class. Well, IXL Learning is here to help. IXL Learning is a fun online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. That's right. It is school approved. So make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And how to be fine listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash fine. Visit IXL.com slash fine to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Again, that's IXL.com slash fine. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Hey, by the book listeners, Kristen here. Did you know that you can receive a weekly by the book affirmation mini-sode plus the rules of every book that we've lived by? It's easy. All you have to do is become a member of our Patreon community. To learn more, go to patreon.com slash listen to buy the book. Again, that's patreon.com slash listen to buy the book or just look at the episode description from today's show. The following podcast contains barnyard language and some adult content. So, maybe listen on headphones if you're at work or around small children. Now, here's the show. Hey, Jolenta. Yes, Kristen. It has been one week since we lived by toxic positivity, and you know what that means. I am positive that it is time for another By the Book mini-episode. That's right. It's time for another By the Book epilogue. This week, we're looking at the aftermath of living by toxic positivity, keeping it real in a world obsessed with being happy by Whitney Goodman. And we had lots of listener feedback. We sure did. Let's get right into it. Let us start with someone who actually read the book and liked it. Yes, Lydia says, this book hit on the discomfort I didn't even really know I had with the overly positive things people say when bad things happen. Yep, yep, yep. Definitely. Some of you out there were like, I feel seen or like, ah, finally I can put my finger on it. 
But let's be honest, not all of you who read the book enjoyed it. Meryl wrote in to say, Kristen was spot on when she said the book had way too many intros and almost no meat. I couldn't even finish the book because each intro just felt like another sales pitch for the author's worldview when why would I need to be pitched? I'm already reading your book. (laughs) Very good point. Oh my gosh, Meryl. Meryl, help me put my finger on it. Yeah. It was very much like, I swear, I swear this is like a sound theory. And we're like, we know we bought the book. (laughs) Yes. Now tell us what the theory is and tell us what to do. Let's get into it. Exactly. Yes, there's only so many introductions we can handle as readers. But I also understand that maybe Whitney Goodman, when she wrote this book, maybe she read a lot of other self-help books and saw, look, all the other self-help books do this nonsense. I'll do the same thing. Right. Or she was like, there's just so much about positivity and like positive affirmations. I just need to super, super, super convince anyone who's reading this that like they're, you know, headed down the right path. Who knows? But yes, we already have the book in our hands. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That being said, a lot of people did like the book or at least like the philosophy and Mm -hmm. position that the author was coming from, even if they hadn't even cracked open the book. For example, Catherine says, I have not read this book, but have received similar advice, mainly in infertility online communities and support groups. It helped me not only to process my own feelings, but to support others going through similar experiences as well as other types of hardship. For example, my friend who suffers from chronic pain. Additionally, I found comfort in researching and opening myself up to the positives in a range of different possible outcomes, including if my journey ended in something like adoption or no baby at all, rather than putting all my hope into one thing I have no control over. I think it's possible to open yourself up to multiple paths to happiness without being toxically positive. Yeah, there's a fine line between being upbeat and toxically positive and like realistic and like toxically negative, I feel like. Yeah. And a lot of that, of course, is timing and so on. Like, right. When are you ready to think about those other possibilities? Right. There are times where something might feel like a totally viable option and other times where you're like, that is feels such like toxic positivity right now. Yeah, yeah. you're right. I never even thought of it that way. Moving on, Matcha wrote in to say, I'm a positive person, and this used to veer into toxic positivity. Everything happens for a reason, and what doesn't kill you make you stronger, along with the well-meaning diatribes that some Christian churches add in about God teaching a lesson or testing us. Now I acknowledge my feelings more. I'm honest with myself when I'm upset or anxious and let myself have that feeling without immediately squashing it away because someone has it worse. I've found ways to acknowledge my upset helps me to actually work through and deal with it. I am still positive on the whole, just it feels more healthy for me this way. Yeah. And Liz had this to say, I like to think of myself as an optimist, but my nine-year-old is not, and she's just started therapy for anxiety. I have caught myself saying and trying not to say a lot of toxically positive things. It's so hard when she gets worked up about something and all my instincts are screaming, have you tried not being upset? I know it's not helpful, so I'm really grateful to her counselor for helping us both find ways to say things when she spirals that are healthier. Yep. It's hard. Yeah. A lot of this echoes what Whitney Goodman is saying in the book. 
Sometimes those attempts at positivity just are not the right things or not the right timing, or they're just not helpful to people. or they're encouraging denial, or they're just something the person's not capable of. Yes, yes. A few of you, though, think toxic negativity is just as bad as toxic positivity. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Stevie says, I sometimes wonder if things have swung a bit too far in the other direction in the wellness space. Lately, it seems we're all encouraged to sit with our negative feelings, quote, as long as we need to, to nurture them, to give them all the time and space they need to breathe and live. But for some of us, that easily snowballs into weeks, months, or even years of spiraling, complaining, wallowing, and inaction. To me, that's just as bad as toxic positivity. Oh, I feel like I deal with that every day, yeah. Part of me is like, I need to doom scroll on Twitter while it <laughs> while it still exists to get all the information I can about all the horrible things everyone's ignoring in the world. But then all of that horrible information becomes so overwhelming that I'm not like compelled to act. I'm not making change in the world. I'm like paralyzed with fear and like Stevie said, in action. So, yes, yes, it's possible to swing too far the other way, for sure. Um, Yes. Natalia wrote in, while toxic positivity at least tries to give you a way out, toxic negativity definitely wants you immobile or feeling worse. If every comment about your work is negative, it is a slow-moving poison, even if they want to help you improve Or they're those people that are permanent and passionate complainers, and they project that onto your future. Like, I got accepted to college, and they say, eh, what's the point? You'll waste your money, have debts, and job prospects for academics are worse than ever. All you will do is end up stuck in a dingy flat with roommates and short-term contracts. Oh, I love those people. The naysayers. Yeah. Dad, they can never be you? happy for you. God yeah. forbid they can be happy for you. Like, Come on. I got this. Well, like, it's not a real job. It's not a real book deal. It's not a thing. Yeah. Fuck you, are Dad. You really, are are you really sure that this is a da 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 Yeah. Wow. Or it's yeah. like, wow, 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 wow. And that all that does is tear people down and make them feel like they don't know how to move forward. Like, it, it helps no one. Yeah, I know that a lot of folks like that are saying in their minds, like, I'm just trying to give them a reality check. Right. Is it a reality check or are you toxically negative? Right. Or are you just like shooting someone down? Yeah. And Susan said, no one is immune from pain, not even the most optimistic people. And it's mean, toxic even, to expect that. But if they're too negative and lash out at us, sometimes we have to get away. One old expression that sticks with me is depression is so contagious, it can even be caught over the phone. That's even more sadly true now that our phones carry the news, (laughs) texts, and photos of social comparisons. No one is joyful all the time. It's not productive to expect it. But Mike Wallace, who suffered clinical depression, said, We do owe it to our loved ones to try to be as happy as we possibly can be. And that means getting help, not bringing others down with us. Yeah, my therapist says that too. Oh, really? Yeah, sometimes like you owe it to the people around you to try to not suck the joy out of everything. That can be a first step to just like getting a little unstuck from like deep, deep depression along with lots of work and like medication and on my on my part, at least. Yeah. Just the motivation to not cause pain to others around you. Right, right. Or just realizing that your depression and that sort of negative atmosphere, like, is 
perhaps causing pain to others. It's not like they're not Teflon. Like it, it rubs off on people. Yeah. Um, but let's move on. Some of you had mixed feelings about the idea of negative versus positive feelings at all. Margaret wrote in to say, I try not to look at emotions as positive or negative. They are reactions to life experiences. That being said, I'm frequently anxious, and when I'm anxious, I can be more pessimistic. If I'm feeling pessimistic, I can't pretend that I'm not and don't want to be talked out of it. But during these times, I also recognize that not everyone wants to hear and deal with me and my feelings, and that's their right. So I try to respect their boundaries and instead meet my own needs or find someone else who's receptive. Margaret, you sound... So self-aware. Yes. I was going to say that, like, way more self-aware than a lot of us. The fact that you know you tend to go into a pessimistic place and the fact that you know not everybody is required to put up with that. And it's okay Mm -hmm. if they don't want to and that there are other people you can turn to. I love that, Margaret. Wow. May we all be as self-aware as you. I know, right? Yeah, I hope I can be. Yes. And Chris also has mixed feelings about the idea versus positive and negative feelings and toxicity and so on. Chris says, when is a positive slash optimistic outlook a good thing Mm. and when does it turn toxic? My stepdad lived to be almost 96. We're coming up on the one-year anniversary of his passing, sadly. And I am convinced that his optimism and general positive outlook contributed to his longevity. My mom, on the other hand, died fairly young and was definitely less positive than he was. I think stress contributed to a lot of her health problems. But that's just my take. It's hard to know for sure. Stress definitely does contribute to health problems. Oh my gosh, yeah, high blood pressure, yeah. um, our immune systems, and so on. Totally, are oh, by 100%. Also, yeah. I have to say though, like my grandmother lived to 98 and she was not positive. <laughs> <laughs> she was negative, uh, pushed most of her family members away, uh, and lived really old. So, like, I agree with the theory and I agree, like, stress is hard on our bodies, but also, like, we can't rely fully on that as a barometer for how long we'll live. Yeah. I think we probably all have stories that go in both directions there. Exactly. We all know, totally. We all know jolly, amazing people who've lived to be 100. And then we also know jolly, amazing people who died way too young. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're going to take a quick break. Try not to get stressed. Uh, when we come <laughs> back, we'll hear feedback that you guys had about how we lived by the book. Oh, I'm so curious. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
We are back with listener comments about toxic positivity. And now we have more specific feedback, Jolenta, for you, for me, and for one of the husbands. Uh-oh. Let's start with you, Kristen, because I always love starting with you. Thanks. Okay. Amy says, I thought it was hilarious that Kristen mentioned how poor the writing and how little detail there was in the book, since the steps all sounded so logical and helpful when outlined in the podcast. Amy, that's all Kristen. (laughs) That is feedback for Kristen in particular. Kristen is the most skilled person I have met at streamlining self-help books, distilling their steps, and putting it in ways that I'm like, wow, wish the book put it this way. That would be way easier to grasp. (laughs) Um, That's like all Kristen. She's amazing. Since I've been sick, she's really taken up the writing the steps mantle. So like all kudos go to her and my thanks go to her. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm just going to take a moment to shout out our Patreon right now because A lot of people who are aware of that, a lot of people who've read these books and are like, I cannot figure out heads from tails in this book, um, have said that they love joining our Patreon because how we write out the rules is more clear, and that is something you get if you join our Patreon community. Every single book we've lived by, the rules as we distilled them. Expertly written, most likely by Kristen. (laughs) Yes. Um, The hundreds, uh, if not thousands of hours we've spent getting all of these rules down on paper, you can get those by joining patreon.com slash listen to buy the book. So um, thank you, Jolenta, for explaining that. Shameless plug. And also, (laughs) it's all Kristen. Um, (laughs) Let's move on to this letter from Heather who says, I may have taken it wrong, but it seemed like Kristen treated positivity and toxic positivity as the same thing. Maybe the author says they're the same, but to me, Kristen's defensiveness felt like having conversations with my conservative-leaning family members about toxic masculinity and then having them insist that using the term toxic masculinity means society hates men. Ah. I'm going to speak for Kristen for a second, and then she can speak for herself. Then she will be <laughs> okay. allowed. No, I'm sorry. Okay, thanks, Jolinda. <laughs> I was going to say, I think the author barely touches on the positive aspects of positivity to the point where you do start to associate just positivity with being negative, uh, <laughs> as funny as that sounds, in this book. Like, when you read positivity, you sort of, like, are supposed to be like, hmm. So it's very much framed as like, we're not, we don't want positivity right now. Yeah. As I said in the main episode, and maybe I didn't say this clearly enough, so I'll just say it again. um, The book a few times in those many intros, there's like three, maybe four intros in the book before we get to the meat of things. In the intro, in, in the many intros, she has a few different throwaway lines where she says, not all positivity is bad. Positivity done right can contribute to uh, better social networks, improved health, um, and uh, happiness. And so she has a few throwaway lines like that. And it's like, okay, so you said not all positivity is bad. And when done right contributes to all these great things. Why won't you tell us what positivity mm. done right means? Right. And Why won't also, you do that? To be honest, <laughs> we're used to self-help books, I think, that are a bit more verbose and do like to give you sort of the flip side of things and, and show you how, like, see if you approach it this way, the way you normally would, it doesn't work out. Where this book doesn't really do that. So we don't learn why positivity would maybe fail us here as much 
as we learn in other self-help books about like the negative thing negatively impacting our lives. In this case, the negative thing being positivity. (laughs) (laughs) This really gets to Marcy's point because Marcy wrote to us to say, I agree with Kristen that it would have been helpful for the book to give examples of healthy positivity alongside all the examples of toxic positivity. But I also think that flies in the face of human nature. Mm. As humans, it's easier to point out what's wrong in life than what's right. We all do it, including self-help authors. Or maybe that's just my negativity talking. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Marcy, I I would say that's true. It is oftentimes easier just to point out like, oh, look at this thing that's a problem. Look at this Mm -hmm. this thing that sucks. Look at that thing and not actually look at the thing that is working. Is like doing well. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, yeah, without that, we'd have no change. But also we need to be able to shift our focus and and give ourselves sort of a break from all of that, like freaking out from all that, like, (laughs) shit, this isn't working and that's not working and this is failing us. Like, whew. But let's get to one last thing for Kristen. Uh, Lori says, I have a question about this statement that I think I heard Kristen mention on the episode about toxic positivity. Did someone say to her that renting vacation rooms from VRBO or Airbnb contributes to the housing shortage? Yes, Lori. Somebody did say that in the episode. That was Stephen Thrasher, who wrote The Viral Underclass. But just to give credit where credit is due, he didn't invent Mm. that point of view. That point of view has been out there for many years. And um, many city government officials have for years been trying to pass laws to limit VRBO, Airbnb, and other kinds of rent your apartment to other people, rent your house to other people sorts of microeconomies. Because Mm. what has happened in a lot of places is that big investors will come in and they will buy up apartment stock and just use those apartments to make money. But Because so many units now are owned by those investors, often investors in other countries outside the U.S., Mm. then um, people who actually live in those towns don't have enough housing stock to rent. And also what remaining stock there is because of the rules of supply and demand are infinitely more expensive than they would be if those units were just on the market. Yeah, you take up more space and are uh, driving the prices up if you're owning multiple properties and renting them out and just trying to make as yeah, much profit as possible. Yeah, short-term rentals in particular. Then that yeah. affects the housing market like around all of those properties you're renting for too much. Yes. Yep. But Jolenta, let's get to some feedback for you. We got tons of letters Ooh, for you this okay. week. Let's start with Shannon. Shannon says, I actually did something similar to Jolenta. Three months after my mom's very sudden death, Mm. when I finally started cleaning out her house, I made a social media post with the picture of my mom's makeup strewn about because she was going to be right back. Mm. I wrote in a gentle tone about being mindful of what you say to a grieving person and offered some suggestions of what to do instead. And along the way, I learned some empathy myself when my grief therapist said that many of the statements about being grateful for the way she went and why were really people's projections of their own fears of death and grief, though it still, in my opinion, was toxically positive. Oh, yeah. That can totally still be toxically positive, but also 
give you an insight into where the the person who's being toxically positive at you is coming from. It shows them they're saying, I'm afraid of this, or like, I wish, you know, I had as much time with my mom as you did, or like, you know, at least she, she wasn't in the hospital. It, it sounds like in this case, a lot of them were saying, I wish my mom wasn't in hospice for three years and yeah. in pain. I wish she didn't suffer. I wish she did go quickly. And, um, and that's, you're right. Them projecting their feelings totally. onto you. And that's probably not how you feel at that moment. No. I'm sure at that moment you're like, I would have <laughs> yeah. loved three years in hospice with my mom just to have three years with her. Right. right? Exactly. Yeah. And it doesn't make you feel any better in the moment to remember, like, this is their own baggage uh, when people are being, you know, sort of negating your own feelings. But, like, afterwards it can help you be, like, in my case, I found at least less angry and resentful of people not being able to like properly receive what's going on with me. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to this letter from Tony. Tony says, Jolenta, in a world that asks disabled people to hide our experiences and appearances, thank you for not hiding. It makes a difference. You're a boss bitch. Thanks. My new hobby is scaring people in public. (laughs) No, it's really interesting, especially being like the only masked person in public usually at this point in time just watching people clock my mask first and then like you can sort of see them like hmm, questioning it and then they'll clock like my cane and then that will validate it for them but also just reminding them that like for that split second you didn't see my cane you were judging me maybe And, like, now that you see it, you're judging me less because I'm, like, an acceptable, quote-unquote, disabled person with, like, a visible disability. It's also fun just being a young person with a cane in public. I get lots of, like, kids yelling to their mom and pointing, being like, why does she have that? And then they can (laughs) explain. And, like, it's interesting. The other day I heard a mom be like, remember when mom hurt her back? Sometimes you need a something to help you like when you're that hurt and like she might need that right now and stuff and it's like oh look like we're learning so yeah sometimes it can feel weird being like the odd odd person out whether it's with a mask with a cane just knowing you're sick on the inside but like throwing off people's perceptions has become fun yeah All right, Jolenta, we have one more question for you, and this is a logistical one from Teresa. Teresa says, I am a mom of two who has lots to say, but has become a dinosaur in terms of digital media. I've taken a few local graphic design courses, but once the course is over, I lose access to the programs and become overwhelmed with what to invest in and fear that I'm doing it the hard and expensive way. To cut to the chase, What programs do you use to create your digital quotes? Do you ever scan your watercolor slash calligraphy in, or is it a purely digital process? What's the learning curve? Is it user-friendly? Oh, wow, Teresa. So I also have no experience with this whatsoever. I have been using Canva, which is a free like multi-platform app. You can pay for like Canva Pro or to use like certain clip art, but I just like work with the limited resources they give you for free. Do I ever scan uh, my watercolor calligraphy? No. That's because I just don't think mine's good enough to scan. (laughs) I scan it sometimes for like if I'm transferring it to be like an embroidery project, but not for this. Um, I just 
totally only use Canva. They have templates or you can make your own. The learning curve for me has been a little steep. There was one night where my husband woke up at 4 a.m. and found me like hunched over an iPad and he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm a graphic designer now. Um, (laughs) So like it took a while to sort of study it, figure it out, figure out what my aesthetic is, but it is super user friendly once you figured it all out. It wasn't figuring out how to use the app that kept me up. It was figuring out like what kind of graphic designs do I even like that kept me up. But Canva, that's how I've been doing it. It works well with novices. So it sounds like it can be learned, but it may get you obsessed and keep you up. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) We also, as promised, have a question for one of the husbands for Brad. Kaylee says, I listen to Start Here every morning. It's my favorite news podcast in large part because of Brad. Like a lot of folks, I can be easily fatigued by the news and his positive but still taking it seriously tone is a reason I listen. I want to know, how does Brad not feel crushed by the weight of the news while being steeped in it every day? How does he maintain what sounds like a decent positive attitude and faith in humanity versus a toxically positive one. Mm. So for this, we went right to the source and I asked Brad and here's what he had to say. I think what like drives my whole approach towards the news is how it affects real people. And the fact is that while there are a few leaders that we're talking about all the time, the vast, vast, vast majority of this country is like, People like you and me who like disagree on certain things, but at our core, we share a lot of the same values. And so even when you run into somebody with like radically different ideas of how the world works or should work, they are much more complicated than you give them credit for. They all have real stories. They all have real pasts. They all have real things that have been like informed their worldview. And I feel like that can and should be respected And that is kind of what gets me revved up every day is to go like, huh, this thing that seems so alien to some part of our listener base is totally normal to this other part of our listener base. Why is that? And like just trying to like scratch that, like scratch at that itch of like, where is the, like, what is the thing we should be trying to understand about each other? Because that's what Mm -hmm. it is at the end of the day is just like understanding each other as much as the events. Oh, that's a good way to keep keep uh, keep the faith a bit in humanity. Yeah. And then it's like a lot less fraught with like like yes, these are unprecedented times, but like people at their core are still people and like if as long as you can like hold on to that, mm-hmm. it helps you want to learn more about things and not bury your head in the sand and go like this is all it all seems like too much. So I think that's like what keeps me going. Thank you, Brad, for you sharing your wisdom and insights with Kaylee and with the rest of us. We appreciate it. Brad, always game. We are going to take one more quick break, but when we come back, we will look at the word toxic and we'll announce next week's book. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Walmart Plus members save on Meeting Up With Friends. 
Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. We are back. And now, Jolenta, we're going to look at the word toxic because it turns out a lot of you out there, a lot of listeners, you take issue with the word. A lot of you wrote in mm-hmm. just about this word, not even about positivity yeah. this week, but just the word toxic. And you weren't just writing in about the Britney song, Toxic. You were writing in <laughs> about the actual word. Yes. Natalia says, I think people have forgotten there are more precise words to describe people in favor of toxic. Obnoxious, annoying, nasty, reprehensible, loathsome, egocentric, morally corrupt, and in a German word I used to use a lot, ego pig. Ooh. I love that word. (laughs) I have met some actually toxic people. Being with them too long would literally give me physical symptoms of poisoning, but others are just bothersome and irritating. Kirstie also takes issue with the word saying, (laughs) as a physician, a derivative of toxic, toxin, is my least favorite word. It releases toxins, they say. Really? Better than my liver and kidneys? Please list the exact chemical compounds you are referring to and provide quantitative data that activity over substance X releases them. Ooh, Christy, get precise. I like it. (laughs) So with all of these thoughts floating around about toxicity and what it means to be toxic, Kristen put up a survey on our Facebook community to find out how many of you agree with Natalia and Christy, and hundreds of you voted, and the numbers are in. Yes, 61% of you said the word toxic is indeed overused, with only 39% of you saying you use the word yourself and you think it applies to many situations. So, I mean, I think 61% of our users are fucking toxic. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That was a joke. Jolenta, you just need to do a cleanse to get those toxins out. Get those toxins out of there. Right. I need to find out their (laughs) chemical compounds and just deal with it. Yes, exactly. Um, You guys aren't toxic. You're all beautiful. Um, (laughs) Thank you so much to everyone who wrote in this week. Reminder, you can always share your thoughts and stories with us on our private Facebook community. It's facebook.com slash groups slash Pod. It's the best Facebook group around. And now, Jolenta, it's time. It is the time when we announce next week's book. Our next book is... The Art of Making Memories by Mike Viking. Do I have to become an artist to make memories? Do all the memories have to be art-related? Wait, didn't we already live by a book by this author? Listen next week to find out. And that is it for this mini episode of By the Book. Huge thank you to our fabulous, fabulous production team at Stitcher, Nora Ritchie, Corinne Wallace, and Marcus Hom. Thanks also to Nate Wida, the composer of our theme song, and to the Rizzos, the performers of our theme song. 
Please stay in touch. Let us know if you've read Talks of Positivity. Also, send us any questions or suggestions for future books for us to live by. Our email address is kristinandjolenta at gmail.com. You can also tweet us at jolentag, at kristinmeinzer, or at buythebookpod. Also, be sure to check out our Instagram. You can see lots of Jolenta's posts there uh, about toxic positivity, about Frank, and about lots of other things. That's at By the Book Pod. And don't forget to rate us and review us wherever you're listening right this second. Just look down, hit five stars, maybe write a few words. Uh, it will help other people find the show. It will help us share our toxic positivity with the world. I mean, just our positivity. Uh, And of course, tell a friend about the show because word of mouth is great. Until next time, I'm Jolanta Greenberg. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye. Stitcher. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.